Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Leidman, and I am joined with none other than... Laura Leidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high praise of classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, hon? Pretty good. It was a good day. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're a fan of the day? Yeah, it was a nice Sunday. Nice winter Sunday. A nice winter Sunday. Yeah, yeah. no. I guess it is, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's cold out, so you can't, like, do too much, but you can still maybe go outside, but you can't actually go anywhere because, you know, quarantine, but, you know, it was a pretty good Sunday. Made cookies, made bread, you know, I like to bake. Got the platinum and goes to Shishima, you know. But you don't have it yet, though. I'll have it when we're done this. It's literally going to take me five minutes when we're done this, I'm pretty sure. So. Oh, okay. I'm, so I'm preemptively, because by the time this airs... You will I have will it. have. Fun. You will have it. Okay, so I see what you're. And just... I will have earned it today. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair assessment. I yeah. would. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless the power goes out and I can't play for the rest of the night, it's a pretty much a done deal that my trophy list will show I got the platinum today. Fair. Okay. Well, there you go. That's fun. That's an exciting way to, to start a day. You yeah. Know? Or, or a finish. Day, I guess. Yeah. Because it is. It is late in the evening. Not mm-hmm. late. Late. We're not crazy no we're old we're old it's it's not past what i would consider anyone's bedtime except your small child like our yeah. small child who's who in bed. doesn't want to sleep he might be actually asleep right now okay Poor we started child. we started recording just in the hopes that he would go to sleep and oh no he's moving he's moving okay he's still he's still so he might have his hand in his pants that's nothing new. <sighs> anyway he's got the hand in his pants but anyway. hey we're here and we're having a good time and we're ready to talk about movies. Are you ready to talk about I'm movies? I'm ready to talk about movies, but before we can talk about movies, oh. we have to talk about March of 1990. Well, hold on. Hold your horses, lady, because I got to announce what movie we're watching. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's in the, the description. It is the so. description, but, you know, we have a, it is a, a format, you know, okay, we follow the format. Tell the people what they already know. You're stealing my bed. This week, we will be talking about The Hunt. For Red October, which originally hit theaters back in 1990. The most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. Remy has trained most of their officer corps. The most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody would know a thing about it until it was all over. His plan is a mystery. Apparently he has suffered a kind of nervous breakdown in which he announced his intention his missiles on the United States. If you want us to help you hunt him down, kill him. Open the outer doors, firing point procedures. We sail into history. I'm gonna blow him right to Mars. Ramius might be trying to defect. You're just an analyst. What can you possibly know what goes on in his mind? He's defecting. You willing to bet your life on that? Battle stations. Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill. The Hunt for Red October. We're sticking with that, eh? I added a different tone. Okay. March 8th of 1990. New York City Zodiac Killer shoots his first victim, Mario Orozco, who survived. Oh, see, we talked about the New York Zodiac Killer on Total Recall, I think yeah, it was. because it was spring of... 19 he was he was uh he was shooting at people for a while there he he wasn't a very successful killer but he no. did kill a couple of his victims oh that's good. most of them did survive so you know anyway but that was his first and so that's pretty important yeah, yeah fair fair march 11th 
very topical to this movie. Lithuania declares its independence. Ooh, there you go. That is topical. March 14th, also topical, Mikhail Gorbachev becomes president of the Soviet Congress. Oh, there you go. Because this is all about the time, right? All about the time. March 18th, largest art robbery in U.S. history. 13 works of art worth over $500 million are stolen from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Interesting. I know. Any, any like pieces that one might know? I don't know. Oh, you didn't look that far into it. No, I should have because like I did a lot of art history like work in university and I quite enjoy it. Let's just say the screen. The screen was stolen. No. What if it was? Because that has been stolen. Um, let's see. Stolen artwork. The Concert by Vermeer, The Storm on the Sea of Galais by Rembrandt, Lady and Gentleman in Black by Rembrandt, I don't know who Self-Portrait by Rembrandt, oh, a Manet was stolen, not Monet, a Manet, mm-hmm. some Degas, oh, quite a few Degas, and then some a couple sculptures. Wow, they were really, really into the- They were shooting for the stars. Yeah, those are some big names. Yeah. Anywho, kind of a big deal. Wow. But I can't uh, say that I recognize the names of, or any of those those paintings by their names. No? No. No, I, I knew a couple of them offhand, just by the title. But anyway, I did, again, I studied some art history. And then also on March 18th, semi-topical, first free elections in East Germany where the conservatives beat the communists. No. So, what good timing for this movie to have come out. This is true. Now, this is, when did the wall fall? Because it was before the movie came out. It was, but it was very similar. Um, it was not long before. It was after the, because the movie itself is set in 1984. Yes. But the wall fell at the end of 1989. Yes. And this movie was early 1990. So uh, communism in general, and like Lithuania, like one of the things they talk about in the movie is, is it not that Sean Connery's character is Lithuanian? Yes. And part of why, because like the movie's about him wanting to defect. defect and him and his comrades, as it were, mm. for various reasons, wanting to defect to America and him being Lithuanian and everything. Like, so this movie took place six years before Lithuania gained its independence. So who knows? Maybe if this fictional character had waited out for six years, you know, he would have been independent then and not had to go through this big plan even though it was fiction yeah good (laughs) so there's your look back at 1990 yeah because i remember i one of the things i was reading about this this movie was that it came out after the fall Mm -hmm. but they were like people like well well, what is that going to affect the movie people like no because it's a period movie it takes place in 1984 imagine a movie i'm trying to think of something that like would be topical in terms of like if you had a movie about communist defectors Mm. the fall of the berlin wall was what four or five months before the movie came out around there probably right it's not like people are like oh the berlin wall wall fell down okay we don't care anymore people still talk about it people still care about it like look at like we watched atomic blonde uh, what probably about last year it was last year Maybe even two, but and either that's, way, that's and that the movie fall in Berlin a, Wall as well. Yeah, and like that still seems, you know, a very interesting topic. So anyway, anyone who thought, oh, they nobody cares about communism anymore, like why are we making a movie about communism? I think People it was. I care. think it was more that it was out of date or something. Well, it's a period piece. Whoever said that's a 
Ding well, dong. they didn't know it was a period piece because they didn't do their research. Yeah, ding dongs. Yeah. Thankfully for this movie, that ding dong was wrong because yeah. it did quite well. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all about it. Well, 1990, as we've already done a 1990 film on the podcast, obviously quite a good year for movies. We both agree. Both of the picks actually from 1990 are your picks. Yes. 1990 started off pretty strong with Born of the Fourth of July and Driving Miss Daisy. But The Hunt for Ad October came in quite strong. It broke the March debut record that was set by Police Academy 2. <laughs> Brought in $17.1 It was also the biggest non-summer and or Thanksgiving movie since Beverly Hills Cop. And it held the spot for three weeks and was beaten by Pretty Woman, Aww. which is a movie we should do. Well, Have the, you ever seen Pretty Woman? No. <gasps> Every, okay, we have this conversation all the time. Anytime the movie Pretty Woman is mentioned, you go, have you seen it? I say no. And then you go, <gasps> and then talk about how we should watch it. And then however much time goes by until Pretty Woman is mentioned again. And you go, I love Pretty Woman. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. <gasps> we should watch it. It's a never ending cycle. Too bad it's actually because we've already done two 1990 movies. Now we can't. You can. There's no, there's no law that says no we can law, or can't but like, do. I, I like to keep the years I know. You want to move it around. Especially because we look at do the retrospective. I can't do a movie that came out the same friggin' month. No, do it. Do it right now. We'll do it. <laughs> Let's just go next, watch Pretty Woman. It's your next pick. We're next anyway, Pretty Woman. the top three movies of the year were, as we discussed before, Home Alone, Ghost, and Dances with Wolves. Hunt for Red October was number six at $122 million. I'm pretty sure Total Recall was number seven. I think so, yeah. So there yeah, go. There we go. I'm going to clear out the whole top 10 for <laughs> just, just do it just do the next because i really want to do home alone and ghost dance yeah. of the wolves like i've seen but i could take it or leave it i've never seen dance <gasps> of the wolves i know about it i know a lot i watched about it in it. school did you really yeah i feel like they wouldn't do that now probably not no anyway <laughs> so would this have been a movie that you'd seen in school or, or how do you how did you first see i'm like 99 sure i watched this on a night where i was like because obviously this movie came out, 19, I was five. Yeah. Probably hit VHS end of the year. My parents probably rented it at some point. I remember watching it. I know I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. I know I've only seen it before once. If I've seen it more than once, I'd be shocked. This was not a movie my babysitter was showing us. No. Even though it had cool submarines. <laughs> yes. Um, and Scott Glenn. And Scott Glenn. <laughs> Just like Backdraft. Yes. <laughs> I, I honestly... Didn't remember much of it except for, and it's funny because I didn't remember it because of the movie. I remembered it because of 30 Rock. Mm -hmm. But there is a scene in the movie where Alec Baldwin kind of has this like, as a little bit of smell the fart acting, but really well done. Mm -hmm. And then in 30 Rock, they use the same shot because they're, they're, they're showing like the HD cameras and what like. The difference between like a regular cam, like regular camera, just being like a regular shot in the show, yeah. but then they they different actors walk by these the HD camera and it's like Liz Lemon's got warts and like she looks like a troll. Yeah, Kenneth's like a muppet, and then Jack Donaghy, which is Alec Baldwin, walks by and like obviously he's much older now, but he looks and it's the same shot from Hunt for October where he's like, oh yes handsome yeah obviously this being a pot visual like an audio medium people couldn't see my dramatic rep like, no no anyway i know that's from hunt from red october i remember that from red october and that's one of the few things besides submarines 
that I remember from Hunt for Red October. And then when that scene showed up, I was like, I was right. That is from Hunt for Red October. And that's it. That's literally all I remember. From okay. Okay. That's fair. I mean, mine, mine is not much, much better either. I, I remember, again, this is a thing. I didn't watch it when it came out. I don't recall my parents ever renting it and me watching it, but I remember watching it on city TV. Not shocked. Yeah. Like it was on city TV. It might've been an afternoon movie or an evening movie back in the day when city TV used to show way more movies. I don't believe they they don't show movies at all. I don't think now, unless it's like Christmas or something. Well, that's like city TV. I'm not to go off on a tangent here for our American listeners. City TV for a long time was, not because I'm pretty sure all Americans know about the CBC. Not yeah. all, but like because like a lot of probably Americans our age. Yeah. No, because of like Degrassi and stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously because Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like the, the new hot Canadian CBC show that took off in the States. But City TV was a Toronto based station that's now across the country before there was cable and before there was satellite. But like it wasn't a good enough station that you could get without. I had an amplified tv antenna and so we got it when i was in like sixth seventh grade is when i started getting that channel city tv was known for in the mid to late 90s for not having any real like one of their main shows was literally they had a booth on young street where people could walk in off the street and say whatever they wanted yeah speaker's corner yeah Yeah. and that was it like that was kind of like the basis for a lot of their stuff. It and was like 8 p.m. every night they would show movies. Like they yeah, would do but, the news. But Canadian television has much more European standards. Not quite European, but much more European standards than American television. Mm-hmm. So City TV after 9 o'clock, because the rules after 9 o'clock, because all the children should be in bed, are like, you want to show a titty? Go ahead, show some titties. Mm-hmm. You want to show a penis? Yeah. Well, we're okay with it. You know, you want to say like the F-bomb a few times? Well, it's after nine o'clock. All the kids should be in bed. We put parental advisories on these shows. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to watch some things that get a little blue when you're like a 13-year-old, doesn't have cable or the internet, City TV with its weird European, low-budget, strange, random, cheap movies. Mm Was your ticket to a little blue? The, yes. And they even actually had, on Fridays, they had the Baby Blue movie. Was it called that? It was called the Baby Blue no! movie. And they <laughs> were they were, they were softcore porn. Oh, 100%. Yeah, on Friday I mean, nights. I remember. And I looked it up, and I kind of want to rewatch it. And I You want to watch a softcore porn? Well, always. But that's not what I was going to say. And I remember... <laughs> I, yeah, I'm gonna Google it again. You're like, gonna Google the softcore porn you no, want? No, it wasn't a softcore porn. If you pull some Emmanuel bullshit on me, I'm gonna be like, what? Emmanuel is a very well-known softcore porn. Oh, there's like no. an entire series of Emmanuel movies. There's like one where Emmanuel goes to space. I don't know why that exists. So I remember, and I kind of want to watch it because I feel like maybe it's something I could rent somewhere. I don't even know, and it, I'm pretty sure it's a Canadian movie. And I, I remember not even that long ago, I Googled, I, I was like, I got to remember what this movie is. Cause I remember it pretty clearly, mm-hmm. very, you'd think it was from like 1975 by the way it looks. And it turns out it's from 1989, mm-hmm. not a movie we could ever cover on here because it doesn't have any awards Of course, called blood games. And it is about a group of softball players 
women softball players who get stranded somewhere and this weird group of backwoods dudes attacks them and after babe and the ball gals a team of female softball players trounces the local team their travel bus breaks down in the woods attempting to hike to safety they end up getting lost and the group is set upon a by disgruntled fans of the losing team, they are beaten, raped, and some murdered. They desperately fight back with baseball bats and guns. And it's very much like I spit on your grave, but a group of girls instead of one. And I remember watching this movie on City TV at like nine o'clock on a Friday. So I remember I remember seeing, this movie clear as day. Sorry. <laughs> I remember seeing Hunt for Red October on City TV. Wow. <laughs> what a tangent. I, I'm assuming you just read something ridiculous about this movie. The blood oh, movie. even <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, go ahead. On the Wikipedia for this movie, it actually says it's often compared to a spit on your grave. There you go. There I'm you so go. Smart. You're or you read the Wikipedia before? I didn't. No. Okay. Well, obviously not, because that would have been really dumb for you to call it yourself for making that oh, comparison. Author Philip Green wrote that Blood Games is also the most visually erotic of the movies in the genre. <laughs> it wasn't a good movie. That clicking noise you might have heard a moment ago was me hitting the microphone as I facepalm. <laughs> you don't. You can cut all of that out. <laughs> no, I, I'll I'll leave it in because no, it's ridiculous. It is. But yeah, so I watched I watched Hunt for Red October on City TV. I remember enjoying the movie because submarines are cool. I actually got lost on a submarine once. Was that when we were in Chicago? No, no. You've been on more than one. I've been on more than one submarine in my life. What? There is not. It's funny because it's actually not very far from where we live right now is, you know, where the Haida is. Yeah. At the Haida, they did a thing where they brought in a submarine and you could go on it and go on a tour. And what ended up happening was because I was such a small child, I was like, this is boring because it's a tour. Yeah. So it would stop and the guy would explain, this is the part of the submarine where, you know, we check pressure gauges or something like that. And as a small child, I was like, well, this is boring. I want to look at the submarine. And I left the tour group. (sighs) And it was about halfway through that they suddenly realized I was not there. And they started panicking and looking for me. Meanwhile, I'd gone the entire way through the submarine, got off the submarine and gone back to the car and was waiting for everyone. They showed up. Who knows how long everyone was furious with me because I had left. But yes, that was my submarine adventure. Anyway. Oh my God. Submarines are cool. As a mother. My mom wasn't there. It was my dad and and a couple other dads and kids. So I just got the shit yelled out of me. Why was your dad not paying attention to you? Because he was learning about submarines and submarines are cool. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So... Yeah, the only thing I remembered 100% was that someone shoots Sam Neill. I totally forgot that part. Yeah. And I was, because like there's, Sam Neill, as we all know, mm-hmm. is most well known for Jurassic Park. Of course. He is such a wonderful character like in Jurassic Park. But Sam Neill is very good at playing menacing. Mm-hmm. He seems like a great guy. Like he lives in New Zealand and like raises sheep now. And like he tweets about it. It's adorable. But when he wants to look menacing, he's very scary. Like you've seen Event Horizon. Yes. He's a very scary man when he wants to be. Mm-hmm. There's a couple shots in this movie where he gives the camera his scary face. And I was pretty sure through the whole movie he was the traitor. 
Oh, okay. I actually, this was something I wanted I to ask like you about. I feel like that was like intentional right. because I'm sure the director was like, okay, Sam, scary face. Okay. Well, we'll get into the trader. Yeah. Let's, we'll get let's into the trader in, in a little bit. But yes, I remember Samuel getting shot and I remember there were submarines in it. And I remember that it is the first of the Jack Ryan movies. So James Earl Jones is in it. Mm-hmm. And basically it's, it's a political thing and, and that's really it. So, I mean, that's my memories. Let's get into the movie itself. Yeah, let's. So getting into it right off the bat, holy shit, there's a ton of actors in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when they, the credits roll and I'm just like, wait, this guy and 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 this guy. I was like, what movie is this? And I feel like, because when I looked on... um imdb at the cast and everything a lot of them like alec baldwin like was mostly known for tv and beetlejuice before this yeah i was like oh alec baldwin was like you know toe-to-toe headline name with you know sean connery it's like no sean connery was the draw for this movie and that's it yeah i'm pretty sure most of the people who in this movie it's a ton of big names Mm -hmm. but like big names now yeah so let's go through some of the people in this list yeah so alec baldwin big name sean connery Big name. Sam Neill. Love Sam Neill. Stellan Skarsgård. Love Stellan Skarsgård. Scott Glenn. And his sons. Scott Glenn. Yep. James Earl Jones. Yep. Gates McFadden randomly shows up for a split second. Yeah. Dr. Crusher. That was one of my notes. It just says, Dr. Crusher. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wait. And then she was gone. Yeah. Like when she showed up and then was never seen again, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, it it had to be like a favor or something. Maybe. Because at this point, Star Trek was big, right? Star Trek would have been happening. Star Trek would have started yeah. a couple years ahead of this. So maybe she was like friends with someone. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they were filming the, close by. Maybe it's, she it's, did, it is a Paramount movie. Yeah. Paramount and CBS and everything, right? Maybe, maybe maybe she was doing the choreography. The dance choreography? Yeah, for the big dance number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even besides that, there are a lot of actors in the film who I would say are less recognizable but they're not recognizable but less famous they're not household still, names but yeah you know them yeah like the the guy who I, I was telling you that the guy who is the the sonar operator on the dallas mm-hmm. the submarine the dallas he was in uh, office christmas party he was the guy that they were trying to mm-hmm. woo his business like that guy he and, still looks like because the office christmas party only came out a few years ago and i'm like hasn't aged a day he did grow a mustache though. he looks great yeah and then there's like a few commanders, like just naval commanders, are, yeah. are, are people that like the guy from the nanny, the butler from the nanny is one of the captains. Which is so funny because in the nanny, he the character is so different. It's like, wow, acting. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking of that Patrick Stewart bit where he's like acting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, some some ridiculous names. And also ridiculous name. John McTiernan is the director of this film. And I did not know that. And no, John, I didn't know that either. I, well, yeah, honestly, but you asked me when I told yeah. you John McTiernan, you were like, who is John McTiernan? Exactly. I was and, like, that name means nothing to me. Yeah. So John McTiernan, the movie that he made before this movie was Die Hard. The movie that he made before that was Predator. Like th- this is, you know, he's, he, it's not every movie he's done. Like he, the movie he did after this was Medicine Man, which with, has Sean Connery in it. But would you say that, you know, Medicine Man at all? Uh, no, no, but he's done Die Hard with a Vengeance. He's done a few other bigger movies, but like it was just kind of like a surprise. I had no idea that John McTiernan had done it because 
to this point, most movies that I knew he had directed were action films. And this does have action in it, but it is it is a political thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, it is not an action. It's not the movie you come for for gunfights and high octane dogfighting or anything like that. No. Like this is this is a very slow burn of a movie. So when he, I saw that he directed it, I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. I wonder if there's going to be any elements of that in here. And sure enough, there were little moments of that kind of action in it as well. So that was an that was an interesting surprise and something to look look forward to on this rewatch of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say fair. You know what I really liked about this film right off the hop mm-hmm. that at the beginning, because at the beginning you see they're in like North, North Russia. Yeah. You know, Sean Connery's there. Sam Neill's there and they're speaking Russian. Yes. Which was one of those things where I was like, oh my God, they're not just speaking with British accents because so many movies still do that. It's like, oh, you're speaking a foreign language. Just get the British guys in here. We'll pretend pretending yeah they actually speak in russian and then as the movie goes on they don't keep speaking russian because i actually wrote this down there's a really cool shot where they focus in on someone's mouth while they're speaking russian and then it changes mid-sentence yeah i said the same thing because he's quoting Mm -hmm. something in english and once he quotes the english and it zooms in then it just stays english and i was like that was a really well-made shot to make the transition not feel clunky or awkward because he's he's quoting was an oppenheimer yeah who who said i become death destroyer worlds when he you know they you know Crazy. successfully made atomic split, bomb. split the atom and yeah. everything and uh he he's talking about because like it's a nuclear sub and it's like basically the sub how it's been designed is to start a war mm-hmm. and that's the big kind of like thing about the movie is like is this a rogue captain coming to start a war or is he defecting? Mm-hmm. And cause this sub could really do either. If, and- if I remember, cause I watched the trailer going into this and you'll have probably heard it. I've, if I seem to remember the trailer does not lead in that he's defecting. It is that they are bringing the sub to start war. Yeah. But even then that was, so right from the get go, I didn't super trust Sam Neill, mm-hmm. even though we learned that I should have. But I never felt there was any danger of them actually attacking the U.S. Yeah. I don't know. I just never, when they're like, well, they might be coming to attack. They're, they're coming to attack us. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he's defecting. He's just like, look, Russia sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find out like his wife, Sean Connery's wife died. And, you know, he's actually Lithuanian and like, da 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 I'm like, hey, yeah pretty sure at this point he's like screw it i'm out yeah that was that was a thing about the movie that i i forgot like i did remember this from my previous rewatch is that it was about a defection so when they were at the beginning and it was like well are they and i'm like oh no that part is somewhat ruined for me because i know going in i didn't like like i said i remember nothing of this yeah movie. no i did remember that it was about def- a defection so when they were talking about like oh no maybe he's coming to destroy us i was like no he's def- he's defecting dude oh they don't know he's defecting oh yeah no all right like i was like yeah i know he's defecting it was just obvious and it's like i can understand why the american military is like look a rogue russian sub is coming our way and it's one that we're like this thing is super not what we're we don't know really what it's capable of yet Mm -hmm. 
we got to obviously be on our like toes on this one and like good for the radar operator for like catching it right off the bat and not taking no for an answer being like it's just magma seismic they're like it's whales and stuff yeah and and he's like no i know what i'm doing listen to me Mm -hmm. and he was right which is great but like and they set with the new guy that he was training was a nice kind of setup for exposition for us dum-dums who yeah. don't know how sonar works mm-hmm. like uh, it was it was well done it's not like he was explaining to the captain like what was going on because it's like obviously the captain knows how this stuff works he might not be as good at it as someone who spends their career doing it but he knows how it works so if they had a new guy he was training it was well done mm-hmm. i was well done but like the movie is so you see the movie start up with sean because i guess because I did some Russian history in university, and I will tell you, I don't like it. I don't know. It's it's very interesting, but in a very boring way. I don't understand how they've done it. It's just like Russian history is full of interesting things, but it's boring. Anyway, so I guess every Russian ship has to have a political person on it because Russia. Yeah. And Sean Connery just murders theirs because... He did, but like he does it in the weird. I was like, this this is a murder. Like I understand he was trying to make it look like an accident. I I was under the impression that he was trying to poison him with the tea. No. Okay, because that's he looked like he was setting up the tea. No, he was setting it up so he slipped on. Looks like he slipped on the tea. Yeah. And fell and like cracked his throat against the table. Yes. But how he actually physically did it. Didn't really make it. It was just a weird shot, but it's a very, it's a sub. It's very tight, close quarters. Yes. We've both been on a, a, a U-boat. Yes. There, there's not a lot of space. So I get it. Like even the captain's quarter is very small. So I can understand again why this guy is defecting. Not only is like his wife dead and his country's kind of shit, but like his bedroom is the size of a closet and he's the captain. Right. Imagine how bad it is for the people who aren't captains. Probably pretty bad. Well, we know how bad subs can be like lice and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like there's nice showers on the sub. Anyway, but then like so he he kills him and makes it look like an accident poorly. And Tim Curry, you forgot to mention Tim. I Curry did. I was going this. to. I was going to bring up Tim Curry because I did realize that I forgot to mention Tim Curry. Tim also Curry this. knows sums up this whole time. He's the ship's doctor, and he's like, Captain, are you sure? And the captain says, "Just like shut up, Tim Curry." And Tim Curry's like, "Okay, okay." This scene is important to note because. This is when the political person gets murdered mm-hmm. in the scene where they the political person is murdered. They mention, is there any KGB operatives on the boat? And the political guy's like, if there are, I don't know about any of them. And after that happened, I remembered, oh, I remember there's a traitor because the traitor is who shoots Sam Neill. Or not a traitor, but some who the like a saboteur kind of yeah. thing. Whoever is not one of them is the guy who shoots Sam Neill. But I didn't remember who it was. And during the scene where he gets the keys, the guy who is there, there's the chef's assistant. The chef's assistant. It's not really a chef, it's a cook. There's no- whatever, the cook's assistant. My, my, I'm sorry for using the wrong word. He makes a comment to him about, hey, you're here witnessing this. And then they leave the room and the assistant is standing there and he gives a long look. And I'm like, it's the chef's assistant. The, the cook's assistant, the cook's assistant is the KGB guy. And from that moment on, I knew that it was going to be him. And you were all like, oh, it's going to be it's Sam Neill. I don't know. 
but there is literally a scene later on in the movie where the the engineer, the guy who's wearing red, the engineer is walking out of the engine room and Sean Connery is staring at him and walking past him is the cook's assistant into the engine room. And then the next scene is the drive is is sabotaged. So as soon as that happened, I'm like, yep, 100%. It's the cook's assistant that is the saboteur. And I was just waiting for him to show up again. So I totally forgot about the whole thing about the KGB. And I was like, man, what's up with this cook? Why is he such a jerk? You forgot about that until I just mentioned it? I for- oh, I forgot. I, I just, I didn't put two and two together. That you just became- thought that the cook was just like, I'll kill him. Yeah. I don't like these guys. Well, I thought maybe he was just really, okay, I mean, he was, he was just really loyal to Mother Russia. <laughs> but like, I totally forgot about the KGB. I literally totally forgot just about the KGB. Yeah. Like not about it in this movie. I just forgot about the KGB as like an entity in reality. That... <laughs> They mentioned it in the movie. I'm well aware. But when they totally forgot. Okay. So when they mentioned it in the movie, that's when you remembered that they exist? Or did you forget until I brought it no, up? No, they again? mentioned it in the movie. Yeah. And then I just blanked on like the KGB existing. The KGB having an operative on the actual boat. Which gotcha. Is smart because obviously, like with this brand new sub, they should probably have someone keeping an eye on it. Clearly. Clearly. One thing that was also really weird for me in this whole scene was there's a an extended bit where where they talk about the KGB and they also talk about the, the political officer talks about the GRU. Well, I know what that is as well. That's a different kind of Russian military, like, sorry, Soviet military unit. But I've always known them as the GRU. Yeah. So when he called them the GRU, I'm like, what? That's weird. Like, I've never heard anyone call them the GRU before. Mm. But also there's another part later where somebody else says another person's name. They said um, it was Granon who is like a, a very big Soviet scientist. Mm-hmm. And he said, and it was Sean Connery. And he said, he said, Gronin weird. And I was like, what, what is it? And and, I, and, you, and you'll laugh because you'll be like, of course, of course, mm-hmm. this is why the reason I know the pronunciations of Gru and Gronin and stuff like that is because of Metal Gear Solid three. I'm not even a little which bit Which takes shocked. place in Soviet Russia. Not even a little bit. You shocked. meet Gronin. Not even a little bit shocked. Yeah. And, and Ocelot is a Gru colonel. So there you go. So, so that is all the Soviet stuff going on. Yes. Well, our good friend, Jack Ryan, mm-hmm. played by the delightfully cheerful Alec Baldwin. In a poofy turtleneck. Jack Ryan is like some super genius, like smart guy. He's a CIA analyst, but he, he also mentions that he writes books about sailing. Or well, he not sailing, books, boats and stuff. He writes books for the CIA. Yeah. But like he also was a Marine who was in an accident and they get into it, blah, 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 blah. Like this guy's like a Superman. But he is looking at stuff on radars or whatever. And he notices this sub with these weird doors. And he's like, I got to go. He's like living in England. And he's like, well, I got to go and flies to America to be like to his old boss. Be like, something's up. Who's James Earl Jones. Yeah. Rush is doing something. And then it's just him trying to. And I say like he's trying to get to the submarine. Like, cause there's a, the U S sub where the radar guy is like, they're following the sub now. And he's like, if I can get to that sub, I can, cause I know I, he's actually met Sean Connery's character before. Uh, and he's like, I know this guy. I've written books about this guy. Like, cause he's Sean Connery's character is like the most highly respected, decorated submarine captain in, in Russia. And yeah. He's like, command. he was their teaching yeah, like, like instructor he, at their Russian submarine he's school. Like the top, top dude. Yeah. And uh, so, they've put him in charge of the sub obviously 
And everyone's like, oh, he's going to come start a war. And Alex Baldwin's like, Jack Ryan's like, no, I know this guy. I know he's defecting. Mm-hmm. Like, his, this is literally like the one year anniversary of his wife's death. Like, this dude is defecting. If we can get this guy defected to us, obviously that would be a huge boon for American intelligence because, like, this high ranking guy from the, the Soviet Navy and all his officers, like, they don't even know they're going to get all the officers, but yeah. they can even just get Sean Connery. They are gold for some intelligence right so obviously they want him but not everybody believes him thankfully someone believes him so then half the movie is like following alec baldwin half is following the sub like five percent is following stellan skarsgård and another sub who's hunting sean connery everyone's hunting sean connery well yes but they're I, hunting the it's red hunting october the red october because the submarine is named the red october yes hun the submarines are hunting red october yeah, one might say it is the hunt for red october so anyway so you follow alec baldwin but like he he said one of the things he said he doesn't sleep on planes so he's flown from england to america to this um aircraft carrier to this place it was the uss enterprise too and so he's fine and he hasn't slept and he's a mess but he still looks gorgeous because it's alec baldwin in 1990 like he's an attractive man best of the baldwins for sure Uh best they've got to offer so finally, at one point, he's like talking to himself in the shower. And you knew we were going to discuss this. I didn't. You said you, we weren't going to discuss this. No, but... we're going to discuss it. Not in as much detail as I told you last night, because we uh-huh. can leave something to the imagination. But he's. There's a metal pole or something in the shower, and he's in like the shower on this aircraft carrier. So it's not like bells and whistles. It's just an open shower. And he is bent right over in the shower like head down talking to himself in the shower with his ass pointed right at the spray and i'm like why are they putting this in the movie why can't he just be standing there whose directional thought was this this is very bizarre yeah no it was i mean maybe he's he's from england maybe he's used to fancy bidets i don't know well it was just the weirdest shot i'm like why not just have him like standing there standing there but he was like bent over facing the camera and just like but towards the shower i don't know and then he stands up and like nothing's going on and i'm like if that's something someone does in the shower on their time that's fine but it's weird to put it in a movie were they just like okay alec just do what you do in the shower enjoy yourself in the shower like you normally would yeah so just pretend the cameras aren't here how would you have a shower if you were talking to yourself well i'd be leaning over and having the shower blasting out my asshole yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but that's what happened Uh It was it was interesting. Uh huh. I might have written a note that literally said he's washing his poo hole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where to go from there? Well, my next thing is because once he's off the sub, he's into a helicopter and he's trying to get to the Dallas, which is the submarine that's following the Red October. Yes. Their goal is to lower him in bad weather. Out of this this helicopter, down like a basically a zip line, where someone is going to stand out from the Dallas with a hook on a long pole and yes. try to pull him in. And they're mm-hmm. like, "We've never, like, I've only done this once, and it was the weather was good, and blah blah blah. It's not going to work." And they lower Alec Baldwin. And my only thought while watching this happen mm-hmm. is, if this was a Tom Cruise movie, he would be doing this stunt by himself and insisting it was during a hurricane. Yeah, hundred percent. 
But no, like so, and then Jack Ryan obviously that doesn't work, and he's just like screw it, and just jumps in the water. Yeah, because they're like, we're gonna take you back, and he's like, I can't go back. So because they he has to like somehow convince the sub not to attack. Yeah, because basically they what, can't what, just do it by like radio. But he, well, they said that there was issues with them because they were so deep they couldn't get messages to them. Yeah, but they were able to get them to surface. Yeah, they got well. They got the message to surface when they were back in radio contact. They keep moving in and out of radio contact. Well, anyway, it worked out because Jack Ryan gets on the sub and is able to convince the captain what he's saying is true. Yeah, because the Russians basically lie and say, oh, he's coming to kill you. You should kill him first. And so they get the order. The Dallas gets the order to blow up the Red October. And Jack Ryan is like, well, I'm going to have to convince you to not do that because I am 100% sure that he's defecting. And that scene where Scott Glenn is basically like, okay, let's put in the firing solution. And uh, Jack Ryan is like, no, we, we gotta, we gotta do this. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give you two minutes to convince me right now. And then while he's explaining everything to him, he is still getting the crew to get the firing solution all locked in. He's still like shouting out orders and stuff. I thought that scene was awesome. And like the, it, it really does also ratchet up the tension because while you are like, you're on Jack Ryan's side and you're trying to like follow him along at the same time. Scott Glenn is like, mm-hmm, I'm going to kill this guy. Still. You haven't convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm like, but like, that makes sense. Like they, mm-hmm. there is only so much time that they're going to have to like do the attack. If they're going to do the attack. And his primary thought is I've got to protect the American people, which I mean, fair. That's yes. his job. But at that point, you're also getting on the red October is they fake a radiation leak. And even then there's a few moments earlier in the film where because like they're nuclear subs right this guy the doctor has to one of the ways that because like the doctor's high ranking but he's not part of the inner circle of defectors Mm -hmm. so to get him out of the room at one point they're like we need the radiation tests for today and yesterday now yeah which is always going to take them a while to do so they've got time to talk so obviously they do establish that it's well known that you need to like get this information and like that this is a possibility Mm -hmm. that there could be radiation well they fake a big radiation leak and they're like, we have got to evacuate the sub, blah, 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 like immediately. And they get all the, which is smart because on like the captain's part, because one, they're not all defecting and they probably wouldn't, it would be hard for one, they might not want to, mm-hmm. they might want to go home to their families. Like everyone who's defecting in the inner circle has made this choice to leave behind everyone. Mm-hmm. Whereas crewman B32 probably got wife and kids at home, right? Like, yeah. So they they evacuate them off, and that way, if they do get sunk, none of the you know red shirts get killed. Which yeah. I mean, I have respect for the captain on that. He could be like, "Well, too bad." Mm-hmm. Plus, it stops them from sabotaging, and then it turns out there's someone sabotaging. Now, here's the thing: because at that point, obviously, the Russian military is closing, Stellan Skarsgård is closing in, the Americans closing in, everyone's closing in, and I wrote down one hour and fifty six minutes into this movie. We're finally getting some tension in this political thriller. There was tension earlier in a scene where the Russian plane drops a torpedo on them. And there's a big sequence in there. I wrote down that that scene was very. Okay. You didn't find that scene thrilling or suspenseful? I didn't find it that thrilling because like you knew they weren't going to have too many issues because like there's still two hours left in the movie. (laughs) fair yeah i I mean they could have taken a torpedo and then there's a ticking time bomb of like oh the boat's slowly sinking or something you know 
Yeah. And then like Sam Neill dies protecting his captain. And yeah. I, the whole movie was suspicious of him. And I felt really bad because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Sam Neill, I'm, I'm never going to doubt you again. And then mm-hmm. we're going to watch Event Horizon. I'm like, Sam Neill, I doubt you again. <laughs> You're a bad man. <laughs> it's a great movie. I don't think it fits any of our criteria. It might, it might. It might have been number one. Who knows? It definitely wasn't. Okay, fine. Did you already look it up? No, but I, I know one of the things about that movie is it was a box office bomb. Oh. Well, there you go. Never yeah. mind then. But it's a great movie. Oh, so scary. Yeah, and then... So Jack Ryan hunts down... Because like Sean Connery gets shot, but not... He gets shot in the arm. Yeah, he. you can still die from getting shot in the arm. You get arteries and stuff. Yeah, but it's a movie. So he got shot in the arm, he's fine. Yeah, I guess that's right. Jack Ryan goes hunting after... We don't get to see who's shooting. And you knew who it was, but I didn't. So I was like, well, if it's it's not Sam Neill, who is it? It's got to be one of the others in a circle. And then it's the cook. And I'm like, oh, I guess that cook really loves Russia. Totally forgetting he could be KGB. <laughs> what a ding dong. Uh-huh. So that probably changed the bit of the ending a bit for you. A little bit. Because you're yeah. like, why is this random cook shooting at people? I just figured, I guess I thought maybe he was a spy, but I guess that would be KGB. Yep. I don't know. I was just like, yep. saboteur. Mm-hmm. J'accuse. Right. And then then he gets stopped. And then that's that. Like, I understand there's a lot of smart stuff that's happening because they basically have to fake sinking the Red October. The Americans fake sinking it. They, they're dropping like torpedoes at it and detonating them with moments to spare to make it look like they've hit it. And then the other, the Russian sub that's actually piloted, it's still in Skarsgård, but he's like the character has been trained by Sean Connery. And uh, like he's chasing him and ends up with some really good maneuvering ends up on Sean Connery's part, blowing himself up, which is like, whoops. Well, they used expert maneuvering to trick his torpedo into blowing him up. How fast can a submarine really move? They even talk about like it handles like a pig. They, well, they said that that submarine didn't handle as well because it was a much larger submarine. There were other submarines that were much smaller that were flying around at the end there because there was three submarines in the climax of the film. And then, like, the movie ends with them pulling into, like, a river in America because they're like, oh, well, they'll never no one will the, look for you the here, Russians yeah. won't ever look for you here. And then the movie ends in front of a really badly done green screen. Yes. With weird coloring. Well, you know. They... It's very blue, which is like, you'd think they'd have, like, a red sunrise because it's the red, the red October. October. I mean, if they're doing green screen, they can make it look however they want. And yes. then they kind of chose a not great one but what can you do sorry hun i'm I, maybe you should have directed the movie i, I don't know <laughs> i just like it was very 1990 okay uh, i get you okay yeah. well i mean this is before color grading was a real thing in movies and you know effects and such still and you know what probably watching it on vhs probably looked lovely yes but we're watching it now in hd and things look different yeah because it's on netflix and prime so we picked netflix because prime's interface is bullshit i agree yeah. prime's player is terrible so but yeah and then then the movie just ends and it's like well okay well we're done okay two and a half hours later we're wrapped up okay well i mean i guess the movie's done at that point we've gone for for quite a bit were there any other things that you wanted to mention about the movie i mean you went straight for the ending at that point so well it's just like it's a lot of just back and forth of like no he's defecting here's why this is how we're gonna get to him Mm -hmm. to Here's how we're going to evade the other Russians. Here's how we're going to evade the other Russians. Comrades, we have to get to America. Comrades. 
<laughs> okay. I feel like I already know what your, your rating is now. But before we can get to what we thought about this movie, critics in 1990 had thoughts on this movie. So, Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? Yeah. So, always like to include my boy, Roger Ebert. He says it's a skillful, efficient film that involves us in the clever and deceptive game being played. Vincent Canby, writing for the New York Times, says the characters, like the lethal hardware, are simply functions of the plot, which in this case seems to be a lot more complex than it really is. And John Hurdle of the Seattle Times said an exciting techno suspense thriller with a hollow center. And it has the Oscar for Best Sound Editing and was nominated for Best Sound and Best Film Editing. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. What did you think of the film, dear? Yes. This is something that I hovered between quite a bit. And I think you said the same thing where you were hovering back and forth between whether or not you you knew what you were going to give this movie. And for me, what it really, really boiled down to was whether I liked this enough to give it a double butter or a plain. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of like, I, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier. This is a slow burn of a movie. And I, I, I thought to myself, do the parts that I like about it outweigh the parts that were slow and kind of meh to make it a double butter over a plane? And for me, it did. You talked about how you you didn't think that the earlier torpedo scene was very interesting. I thought it was actually quite suspenseful. And I felt that the constant beeping of the, the torpedoes coming close to the ship was actually like... It got my heart racing quite a bit. And and then the th- entire third act of this movie kicks it into overdrive. And it does suddenly become an action film that John McTiernan is directing kind of a thing. And I really liked that section of the movie. And I felt like the stuff that I didn't like as much wasn't enough to bring it down. The parts of it that are good are good enough to bring it up to it being a, a double butter for me. So that's why I'm giving it a double butter. I think it, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff in it. Submarines are cool. and Submarines are cool. I agree with you. Great cast. Everyone acts phenomenally. Mm-hmm. It takes a bit to get going, but once it goes, it goes. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it a double butter. I'm going to disagree. Mm-hmm. And not for any point, like not disagreeing with your sp- specific points. I always try to base my rating mm-hmm. on whether the movie is worth watching. Mm-hmm. And for this reason... I'm actually going to give it a burnt. Really? I found myself bored. And that right off the hop, like, I love a good slow burn. Some of my favorite movies, one of the best movies I've ever seen, I would say is Spotlight. And that is definitely a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And I think that movie was phenomenal. I'm trying to think, well, there was another movie we watched that was like, I don't remember, but it was like so tense the whole way through. But like, almost like, well, look at Whiplash. Yep. Very tense. There will be blood. You know, like all these movies. This movie, I was just like, I think the best review was that the one I said in the middle from the Seattle Times. It was like, characters are great. The acting's great. But it just pushes a plot that is kind of meh. And like the idea, there are interesting elements to the story that tie together nicely. But it's just mostly boring. The fact that I wrote down something finally interesting is happening at two hours into this movie. Like, that was the exact moment that I realized you were going to give this a burn when yeah. you said that. I was just like, I paused the movie. I was like, oh, 
this political thriller is finally a political thriller at two hours in. I just, it's well acted. It's an interesting enough story. Like the, the idea of the story is interesting. But what I recommend, this is a movie that people should see, even just to see it or to see and enjoy it. No, I just think that it's two and a half hours that you're going to be like, well, that was a movie. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I, ju- I just wouldn't tell people, yes, you really should watch this movie, even if it's just to watch it. Fair. So there you go. Yeah. This is my first burn. It is your it first was, burn. And you know what? It was very hard to come to this conclusion. And I will tell you, because you said with your review of Gremlins, you regretted your review because, you know, blah, 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 yes, blah, Yes, yes, yes. I don't feel like I'm going to regret the review. I was very apprehensive because I was like, well, it's a very well-made movie. The acting is very well done. And the topic of the movie is very interesting. Overall, it is a well-crafted movie. So why would I give it a burnt? A movie can be well-crafted and well-acted and still be not interesting enough to recommend other people spend two and a half hours on. Mm-hmm. And that's why I gave it a burn. Okay. So there you go. There you go. So that's, you went double. I went double. I liked it enough. Like, apparently you did not. And that's okay. We're allowed to disagree. Oh, I 100% agree. Like, I'm not like, you're wrong. I just, I find it very interesting that this is only the second movie where one of us has done burnt and one of us has done double and the last time that was was the craft which you are still wrong about yeah which really is funny because here's a little bit of behind the scenes action oh boy for you everybody next week episode we've already recorded yeah because we had a guest in on the episode and we needed to fit into their schedule yep in that episode i make a comment about how I'm the only person who's picked a burnt in this show. Because at the time that we recorded, you hadn't. And then I said to you, after we finished recording, yeah, no burnts, unless you give Hunt for Red October a burnt. And you did. So now that thing is out of date. And I'm leaving it in. because You gotta be... fix it in post. No, I'm not fixing it in post. Just future Mike can pipe in and be like, well, if you listen to Hunt for Red October, you know this is wrong now. Yeah. Well, maybe I, I'm not going to change my review just oh, to make no. your job easier. No, I'm not saying that because it's all been done. It's all done. Future Mike will probably make an appearance and say this was recorded before Hunt for Red October. No. But <laughs> what was that movie that we've already recorded? Next well, week. next week's episode will be taking a look at. It's my choice. Yes, it is. But I, this is I again. Chose this. It I again. Actually- Han, we have a format that we follow where I say things and then they happen. And this is the second time this episode that you've refused to follow the format. You're the one who screwed up the format the first time in this episode, so don't even come at no, me. No, I didn't. You jumped the gun on it. Yeah, but then you jumped the gun on memories. I edited that part out. <laughs> You're such a stink. Yeah. Next week, we have a very special guest. Yes. Great friend of the podcast, Scott mm-hmm. Bordas is here. Mm-hmm. He currently does not have his own podcast, but should do a podcast because he's very good at podcasts. Yes. He's just very busy. And I understand that 100%. But we'll be discussing with him, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Which is an American classic. Is it? I would say so. Oh, well, I guess we'll see when we get to the reviews for next week because it might not be depending on how we feel I would feel say about it's it. considered an American classic. Fair. But- like this movie, people might not think that. 
and you never know. <laughs> you never know. So I think then for this week's episode, that will do it. This week's episode of Burnt Popcorn. I am Mike. I'm Laura. And we will hope you will join us on our next episode. We'll talk to you guys again soon. <laughs>